Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with two co-founders who are set on creating the first Web3 music label. Noble Dracone and Barnaby Anderson from Band Royalty are here to talk about how the music industry is ready for disruption, how music is the ideal art form to affect change and grow the crypto base, and how Band Royalty looks to merge the artist and fan interests all at once. Today's episode is a fascinating one between two experts in their field who want to create their own masterpiece of a Web3 product. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Noble and Barnaby. All right, guys. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today. We have a really cool episode. We're doing some uh, music NFTs and we're talking with a company that's really looking to, to kind of turn the industry upside down a little bit. We got uh, Barnaby and Noble uh, from Band Royalty. Guys, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks a lot, Horatio. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to be here with you, Horatio. So many things uh, to talk about when we're talking about music. We've done a, a deep dive we did, uh, on music before. We talked a little bit about you know different music exchanges that are out there. And uh, Stefan, you know, he really was big on you guys, is really excited about what you guys are building and kind of wanted to start there with what what band royalty is, uh, how you guys are kind of uh, executing your vision. But but I think I think one of the things that that is uh, most important to start with uh, our readers, people are listening to the, the podcast is why invest in music royalties? You know, why is that an area that you guys are are focusing in? All right, I'll kick this off. Back in uh, 1997, I got my first music deal. Uh, I'd already been a broker, a licensed commodities broker, and uh, my cousin uh, wanted to kind of get into the music game, and he introduced me to uh, a group called Private Eye Mercury at the time. And I got my first press and distribution deal through them. Mercury got bought out by Universal. And I started really learning what the music industry was all about. And I slowly realized two things. Number one, the music industry is completely against the artist. There's no way for artists to really be super uh, successful while it looks on the surface they're doing well. The way the royalty structure is set up in the whole entire corporate structure is it's almost as if a VC came to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you the money to start your business and I'm going to take 80% of all your profits. And when you make money, I'm going to recoup everything that I invested in you. Nobody in their right mind would ever take that investor deal from any kind of VC, but that's how it works in the music industry, that they'll give people advances. They'll make them sign these deals where 85% of the money goes back to the corporation and then they have to pay back that advance out of their measly 15% of the profits that are being generated. And that's how artists stay in hock to the music industry for decades in perpetuity. Now, there are some artists who have breakout moments in which the amount of royalties they get starts to lie into right 
the deals they want, almost like actors, right? Not every actor is a 20 or $30 million actor. But at some point, you get a chance to write your own ticket. Unfortunately, the majority of the musicians never do. And the way the system is set up is that the musicians are always paying for the last musician that failed. And so this whole entire industry is built on the backs of new musicians and hopefully finding the one to cover all the losses and then constantly recouping. So artists, when I say artists, I really mean this broadly. The people who are the writers of the music, not just the performers, the people who produce the music, as well as the editors, find themselves on this constant wheel of not being able to really get fully ahead because they're always in hock to someone. And the sad part about all of this is that the banks really don't help. There is no real set situation that someone can say, hey, these are my royalties and go to Bank of America and get a loan for their home. They actually have to either sell, lease and or borrow against at high interest rate terms these royalties that they have in order to lead or continue to lead lifestyles that they expect. So when you say why music royalties, on one hand, it's a great opportunity. It's a $42 billion industry. But on the flip side of that, of every dollar, only 11 cents to 14 cents goes back to all the musicians who you know, basically are putting their blood, sweat, and tears. And so there is really an incongruity between what we all enjoy, this music that we love, you know, the soundtracks of our lives, and the artists that we allegedly love, and how the financial situation that they have to deal with in order to produce the music that we love. You know, when you think about uh, music royalties and you think about artists, it's hard for somebody to kind of envision, you know, these artists that are so glamorous, they're, you know, on these red carpet shows, they're in our, our, our TVs every day. It's hard to envision them struggling. And I'm wondering if, if you're talking about the 99% of the artists that don't get that, you know, and only the top, you know, I don't know, 1%. 0.1% of the artists that actually make it to that point? We'll, we'll talk about some real world examples. TLC, which was a huge hit during the 90s, had a multi-platinum album. And in their first album debut, they filed bankruptcy because Babyface and the label took all the money. And you're like, well, how do you have a multi-platinum album on the radio doing the red carpet? And they talked about it. All that stuff they had to pay for. They had to recoup the limos, recoup the hairdressers, recoup the clothing. So all these things that we're seeing, they have to pay for one way or another. And the labels make sure they get paid for it. We could talk about Pharrell. The moment streaming came out, he had one of the, the hottest songs around, Happy. And it was doing, I think, how many spins did it do? Yeah, 40 million. Platinum Records is an album that sells 1 million. If you go, uh, uh, you can go to Diamond off of 10 million. So his song played over 40 million times on streaming, and he only got a couple thousand dollars after he had to split with the record label and then himself. So it's not saying that he's hurting and that he didn't make money in other ways based on the other royalty structures that were involved, but this is kind of how the situation operates even at that high level. So if someone like Pharrell is only getting a few pennies per you know series of spins, then how does anyone new coming into the industry even try and make a sincere living? I think it's something like, what is it nowadays? Isn't it a, a 30 million to 40 million spins a month they've got to do in order to be able to have a, a living wage, depending on where you are and where the songs play out? Uh, it could take 700000 to half a million 
spins of your song for you to generate a thousand dollars. Now, if you don't have a large fan base or you've got a, a small but dedicated fan base, how long will it take for you to ever get, you know, thirty thousand dollars in order to <laughs> generate income? Right? You need seven million. Depending on what platform, you need literally seven million spins for every ten thousand dollars. So, I mean, you, when you start doing the numbers, you're like, wait a minute, this is not matching up, and this is everybody. And then it goes even further to the point of where you said the top percentage, ASCAP, BMI, they're called PROs, the public rights organizations. They don't even count everybody's music. What they say is these are the most popular people around, so the Drakes, uh, Guns N' Roses, and they say – well, 15% of all the spins that happened were there. So we're going to give them 15% of all the money collected, even if it wasn't really exactly 15%. So you never get a full accurate payout because they've already stacked it in favor of the people who are getting the most media play. So it's it's not just the, the most popular. It's along the board where you start realizing that, yeah, these guys are glamorous but they're living on borrowed time. They get a $5 million advance or a $10 million advance, but that all has to be repaid. And so they're living these multi-million dollar lifestyles on borrowed money. So interesting. No, Noble, you made a great a great point there with, you know, talking about your experience with the the, the royalty rights, how uh, the music industry is kind of stacked against the artists. And you're talking about, you know, songwriters, everybody. And so you have that experience and so I kind of wanted to then bring the other half of band royalty, right? The other the other aspect of it is buying music royalties isn't new, right? It's been around for forever. Some of them have actually made big news. Uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen selling his catalog a couple of years ago uh, for huge amounts of money. But my question, I guess, and the question we get a lot is, why are we kind of using these NFTs? Why are we using blockchain to then kind of try to disrupt the industry? Well, basically, and this is... Uh my take on it from Noble educating me. So he's the guy with uh, the decades of experience in investing. And together we've been working on different blockchain projects for the last bunch of years. And we had some success with other NFT games because Noble also runs a gaming company. Uh, I've been in e-commerce for almost 30 odd years. So we have this real focus around tech, around blockchain, uh, around NFTs actually. And then he saw that combination. And blockchain really is all about transparency. So when we, when we want to actually make a shift in the world around transparency, uh, and integrity, then basically the music industry is crying out for that. It's actually in need of disruption. So a lot of the time in blockchain projects, you know, they're trying to fit something into the into the real world. They're like trying to retrofit it uh, because it just sounds cool. It's some algorithm or whatever. But here we have an industry that could legitimately benefit. And as somebody said to us, we're using the technology as it should be used. So NFTs, non-fungible tokens, it's just a technology. But it's actually very cool because there's only two kinds of tokenized value in the world. Fungible, which is every dollar, you know, Bitcoin, peso, ruble, whatever. That's what it's fungible, divisible and non-fungible like the Mona Lisa. And so because there are so many non-fungible items in the world of value and when you can put it through a transparent system, bringing it to an industry that is crying out for change and integrity, then it looks like a, a great match. Now, when you also take the fact that everybody in the world loves music and they have no clue how to invest in it, and you have all the artists in the world earning around less than 10%, then again, it's like, well, this is a good fit. And what happens if you open it up to an international market that trades 24-7 around the world? 
where there's no barriers of entry, where anybody can spin up a wallet in less than 10 minutes and start interacting and buying from their favorite artists, it looks like a great match. Now, there's less than a million people in the world that own an NFT. Most artists don't have a digital wallet. So this is a it's a great opportunity that is super early because the writing's on the wall. The music industry is going to change. NFTs are here to stay. Musicians are waking up to that. They can launch them and start making money directly from their fan base through social media. And the fans have all heard about NFTs. They've heard about crypto and they'd love someone to teach them how to do it. That's why we feel really excited about the. It's a great match. What's going on? Yeah, and I, I think in, in the past you guys also did mention like Kings of Leon, right? When they came out with the their album as an NFT, uh, I think Grimes did that as well. Uh, she's had some great, she had some great success with some NFTs there. And we we also talked a little bit more though about like music, right? What it, like that's such a great vehicle for. Uh, almost introducing people to crypto because, like you said, there there is there is a barrier to, to entry there, and so I think uh, if you could speak to that about like you know your belief in that. Well, I mean, let's look at uh, the smartphone. The smartphone would not exist without the iPod. You know, we 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 look at this and we realize how disruptive music is and how realistically music for the last hundred years has preceded technology. The idea of the jukebox was invented and was the was a computer, it was an analog computer of its time where you selected music that played the song that you picked by pushing individual buttons. But it was a huge part of technology that changed the turn of the century, right? The phonograph. I mean, the music has always driven technology in such a unique way. All the recording equipment, the sound equipment, everything that we have in order to enlighten people, music is in and of itself, drove Bitcoin. The idea of Napster was what the inspiration was to design Bitcoin based on peer-to-peer sending of music was why not send peer-to-peer information that would allow for transactions. And so when we look at it, we have to be sincere in our, in our, in our take that if you want to get people interested and excited, streaming doesn't exist without Napster. Bitcoin doesn't exist without Napster. So it only stands to reason that NFTs are right in the music space to be the innovator to get people to even do mass adoption of crypto and mass adoption of NFTs. Uh, the, the beauty of all that is that we love music. They say that oftentimes the human animal actually sang before they spoke. The idea of what music is and the drumming and the sounds, we cannot get enough of it. And it's not a luxury. It used to be a luxury item. It had actually become as, as a utility, just like uh, the internet has become a utility. That's why streaming services are multi-billion dollar enterprises and people are willing to spend a flat fee to listen to an unlimited amount of music. But unfortunately, the, the people that are the creators of the music are getting the short end of that stick. New corporations are coming up. Businesses are being evolved. Whole entire industries are being evolved. But unfortunately, the musicians themselves are not really bathing in the exact same success as the corporations, which are aggregating. So when we created Band Royalty, we realized that in order to make this successful, we couldn't just do a Kings de Leon. We couldn't just do uh, a Grimes or a Snoop Dogg, all of which have traded solely on their brand. That doesn't help overall the industry. And so the first thing we did was we focused on aggregation. 
and we bought a music catalog that had songs from Beyonce, Jay-Z, Cher, Demi Lovato, um, Rihanna. We got one that was shows that the aggregation of music and how people can aggregately invest utilizing NFTs and crypto in a in a, a basket of music is how all the other corporations are doing it. Hypnotic, Universal, Warner Brothers. So if we plan to compete on the same stage as them and really create a true Web3 music label that is for artists and fans, we have to follow some of the best practices. And unfortunately, a lot of the projects that are out there in music are very siloed. They're very solo. You can buy Snoop Dogg's NFT, but if nobody wants to buy another Snoop Dogg NFT or doesn't resell, you're caught with the greater fool theory. You're stuck with this NFT. Uh, you can buy Tory Lane's CD. Tory Lane sold a million albums in nine minutes. That's great. But what if you don't want rap, you want country, or you want to be able to venture out? So there has to be an aggregation of all these different music genres and music styles and look at the business of music, not at the brand of the artist. That's the secret behind band royalty. And that's what we've successfully done compared to every single one of our competitors. We've gone from the individual focus on brands to the idea that the entire music industry, an individual investor can come in and not be stuck in one little pigeonhole and can share in the growth of a true music label. And what we've what we've done is we've taken the, a bit of the best of everything. So we've gone that the major uh, streaming service, Spotify, People have become very familiar with how to play tracks, right? And then you've got the biggest NFT exchange, OpenSea, but it's designed for selling JPEGs. It does about $100 million of JPEGs per day, you know, and there's less than a million people that own an NFT. So less than a million people, and they do $100 million plus per day in trading, even in a bear market. And so there's an interest in these digital collectibles. And then Kings of Leon, like some of these, these, uh, N- these music NFTs that were launched, they did it too early. They didn't have banned NFTs to do it with. So they're not actually a real music NFT. They're actually just a JPEG placeholder to go and click and download a file. Whereas what we've innovated is built out a full multi-track, meaning multiple files, multiple music tracks, all inside one NFT that you can trade on multiple exchanges, including banned NFTs, but also OpenSea and Rebel, and you can play the multiple tracks on those platforms and own that collectible. And the cool thing with what band royalties, what we've built out is we've got a token that you can actually purchase and start earning on the whole platform's trading. So we have multiple revenue strategies for the investor to come on board. So not only can the artist start making the bulk of the money, unlike just 10%, they can flip it and earn 60, 70, 80% but then the fans can start participating and earning on music catalogs on one half of the business and on the trading and launches of music NFT albums and tracks on the band NFTs platform. Yeah. And I, and I, I imagine that, well, first of all, I love that the, that you guys are really a, you know, a web three music label. I love that, that that's the perfect description of what you're building. And, uh, you know, I, I guess with that being said, Barnaby, like you talked about how you're involving uh, the royalties, but you're also involving the trading, you know, and I, I think that the blockchain is what allows that to happen, right? I mean, that's that's where this thing is seamlessly integrated, right? Yeah, because it's, essentially we have 24-7 trading worldwide. 
Yeah, and the beauty of it is when we talked about this, because we, we remember we, we started off just as phase one. And the phase one was you own one of these founder NFTs, you share in the royalties we acquire. As we progressed the project, we said, okay, let's turn that into the DAO. And instead of people just getting the royalties, they can actually vote on the direction. So they receive governance tokens. They can vote on the direction. They can vote on the growth. And at any given time, they can then liquidate their governance tokens they're receiving. And we will use the royalties as a liquidity for all the governance tokens. Never been done before. Up until now, liquidity is not provided from an outside source into a token. And we created that utilizing the royalty format. And then we said, if we want to make the change happen, it's not just good enough for us to do acquisition of royalties, but we also have to allow every indie artist, every independent label, all this, which is, which is on the grow, ability to have one aggregate place because OpenSea is insufficient. They've been hacked. They only have one major contract. They only have JPEGs. They're not really designed for music. They try and layer a music format on, but it really doesn't make sense uh, the way they've done it. They really don't understand the music industry whatsoever because their fixation has been on JPEGs and they start off as a JPEG format. So the reality is they are a relic of their time. They don't match the future of the NFT market space. And we can see that. Looks Rare is, is exceeding them. Rareable is taking a lot of their business. And now Band Royalty is taking over a whole entire segment of the music NFT space and bringing it to a place where it could reside. That's, you know, we're at, we're at the cutting edge and the forefront of NFTs and the merger of NFTs and music. Plus, we're also innovating technology all along the way. You can't get better than that right now. Let's dig into band royalty a little bit. Like if someone's listening, someone's listening right now and they say, I want to, I want to get involved. I want to get a, a piece of that catalog. Um, I want to support an artist that I enjoy listening to. What can somebody do right now to kind of take part in the ecosystem? Well, we've got these two halves to the business. See, basically the music industry, it's complex and we've tried to simplify it. And so as we've been saying, we've really got the, just these two halves to the operation, to the platform. The first is what we started with is the music royalties to earn on a catalog. So we're going to keep growing that catalog. And the more we grow that catalog, we've got a fixed supply of NFTs, foundation NFTs that earn from that growing music catalog. And we've already discussed some of the artists there, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Timberland, et cetera. And that's going to keep on growing. And because of the finite supply, those NFTs will accrue, you know, greater notoriety they'll be like of interest because there's so few of them in this first series there's specifically well, well there's right now there's only three thousand let's be very specific there's only three thousand of those nfts available and we only have i believe about 1100 of those left period and the reality is we've never marketed we've never advertised we've never been to the twitterverse we've never done instagram you guys at alts.co are the first time we've actually brought this outside of our space uh, and so that whole entire founder NFT series is part of a lar larger collection that will be eventually 12,000 NFTs that will be able to earn on governance tokens. And that's but right now there's only 1100 and we'll see how we develop that component out as time goes forward. Uh, we then filed a 506C, a Reg D 506C private placement here in the United States, uh, even though we're based in Singapore so that any accredited investor could sh actually invest in our social token, our royalty token. 
that they can then stake and share in the income from our growing exchange and marketplace, which is operating. Because that's one thing I have to like really emphasize. When you see a lot of people doing these crypto projects, they're talking about some forward future date. We've already released over a dozen musicians. We just released a cut, uh, unreleased music from Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighter, uh, who passed away, unfortunately, recently on our platform. We have Crooked Eye coming to our platform, who uh, is part of the super rap group that Eminem created. We've got uh, Murphy Lee. We've got some uh, major uh, country artists that we're talking to right now to bring on. So we actually have an ongoing platform that's functioning and operational. And so they're walking in, whomever comes in is walking into something that's not a forward looking statement, but what's happening right now. And that's huge in this space. So like Noble was saying, we've got this, uh, we've got this NFT, this limited collection that is available because you're asking about how somebody can participate. If they want to earn from the catalog and how they get paid out is through the governance token. So because of our, our legal team's deep dive into how we had to structure this for different markets you actually earn in a governance token that gives you the voting rights and that, and you can't buy those. You, so you can't buy those tokens and they give you the voting rights on the direction of the platform, which new catalogs will buy, which artists will put up on the front page to be launched, etc. So as we grow the treasury to go and buy more music catalogs, you can see why those governance voting tokens will have of interest to people. Because if you vote on which one to buy, then those people who own catalogs might want to win your votes. And so we can create a whole interesting marketplace around that where you're voting on where we spend to go and buy more catalogs for you to earn more from the catalog. And there's these 3,000 NFTs that give you those voting rights and are the foundation set. They basically pay out. And every quarter that goes by when we earn more, you earn those governance tokens which have a value in the market. So basically, you're coming at this foundational level on this whole reinvention of both the royalty industry, music royalties, and then the collectibles uh, on the other side. And that's where our fungible token, so that's the non-fungible one, which is uh, the, um, the BAM Royalty NFT, the first series. And then we have the fungible token that lets you basically, that's going to be the currency of music across all the different areas, the trading of, of NFTs, even the trading of royalties down the track. And so that one is fungible and you can stake those, which has been demonstrated uh, like on LooksRare. That, so OpenSea doesn't have a token. You can't, you can't earn. They're you know, $5 to $10 million of earnings per day on trading fees. They keep all of that. LooksRare shares those trading fees earnings with their user base. And we're going to do the same. And that's where the royalty token comes in. So if someone wants to buy royalty token, right? At the moment, you need to be an accredited investor. If you're based in the US, if you're a foreign investor, then you were based in Singapore, you're just perfectly fine to invest directly and buy tokens. But if you're a US-based investor, then yes, you'd have to be an accredited investor. You know, that was one of my questions. And, uh, you know, with, with staking and tokenomics, and not that you guys have anything to do with it, but uh, just on Twitter, you know, because I'm on, on, I'm on like NFT Twitter, so to speak. And one of the ongoing, you know, jokes is, you know, he's a 10, but his project has a token. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, people have been tokenized to death. But the way you guys are explaining is you've, you've, you've thought this out. You, you are committed to make the royalty token sort of like that social token, the currency of your platform. You know, that's a big deal because there's two things to that, I, I believe, right? 
it's kind of confusing for somebody that's not in crypto. Like, what do you mean? Uh, why can't I just use dollars? You know, why can't I, I just use my money? But then on, on the other end, it's a big deal because you are really saying, you know, you believe that this token and and the, and the governance and, and everything around it, um, that that's the proper way to go about conducting business on your platform. There's a second caveat to that. So when we create the token, and this goes back to understanding how royalties work. The average artist, if you put out a new song, never sees royalties for almost nine months to a year when a new song happens. The amount of time that it takes for them to receive royalties after that is oftentimes every three months, sometimes every six months, and then sometimes annually, depending on foreign sales and how successful those foreign sales were collected from their plays. So they're always behind the eight ball. You know, their bills come every day or every month, like all of us, but they're not seeing checks for months, sometimes years at a time. So by making the royalty token, the currency of music, it's one of the ways that we can use as an acquisition tool to acquire more catalogs into our system and also allow musicians to be able to cash out far earlier than we expected and or to share in the real-time income of the exchange as opposed to having to wait three, six months, one year out. So the utility of the token is not just for the investors, but it's part of the ecosystem of helping the artists to be able to realize gains and profits today as opposed to waiting the length of time. See, we started out this conversation and we said that there are true problems in the music industry that we're looking to create solutions for as opposed to just creating tokens or NFTs or random things and then trying to find a problem. And so when you talk about our social token from day one, it light years ahead has the ability to change the lives of both the investors and the artists. And by having the exchange where their music is now being traded in real time, it produces a level of income from both the fans and them and they get paid today. They don't have to wait three months, six months, a year from now. And the fans get to benefit from this 85% that's been sucked into the corporations back into the fans' pockets because now they're sharing in the development, growth, and success of the artists they love. So the governance token is super powerful. There's only 10 million of those. The social token, there's only 300 million of those. And then these founder NFTs, there's only 3,000 with 1,100 of those left. So you see, we've tried to really keep this a super tight ecosystem that consistently drives value along all levels. And the whole entire system is fed from the outside acquisition of royalties that support all the tokens. So we've really created an ecosystem, we believe, that while it may not be perfect, it really touches upon all the pain points of all the stakeholders along the way, and it really gives added value in a way that just hasn't been seen. And Web3 really creates a disruption that we need in the music industry until the next disruption. So what we've been really thinking through here is how to make the ideal platform for artists, for fans, and for those investors who are looking to recoup and make a, a you know and earn a stream of, of revenue off the music industry all people understand and love music and they're interested in nfts and crypto but they haven't had a compelling reason to do so so we're saying this is your compelling reason and 
just like music was the innovator of basically all the other tech we've got in our lives, even the computer, all these things, the reason we have it in our pocket, as Noble was saying, uh, even Bitcoin itself's development coming from BitTorrent, which came from Napster. Here we are, we're going full circle. So we've gone full circle back to music with the NFT, this non-fungible token. It's just a fancy way of saying something that can't be duplicated, that has integrity, uh, that's on-chain, that pr is proof of ownership that you can hold as an international tradable asset. So what we're really doing is we're turning music into a truly international tradable instrument, pardon the pun, where people can trade it worldwide. Uh, that's never been done before. So all of these things are brand new. So we get it. It's a stretch. It's like brand new. But if you can see the future, if you believe that blockchain is here to stay, crypto is here to stay, NFTs are one half, actually. You've got the fungible tokens and the non-fungible. That's it. So it's one half of the whole cryptocurrency industry. If you also believe that music is uh, in need of innovation and disruption, not just a technological, but a financial innovation, here we have it. And he, you're at the ground floor. We've been under the radar. We're opening this up to all artists and all people around the world to, to get involved because it's a community effort. It's a DAO. So that's amazing. And uh, I kind of wanted to get in into a little bit more because you and you've, you've hinted at it before. You're also in the middle of building a music metaverse, correct? And, and I'm kind of uh, wondering what how you envision that. So if you read our white paper, you know everyone makes fun of us. Our white paper is 67 pages, and you, you, you've seen it ratio. And uh, if you if you get through the tome, you discover everything that we said we were going to do. We actually have been doing and have been building bit by bit. Because Barnaby and I both have a combined almost 60 plus years of business experience, we really set out to create a white paper that was more business plan than fluff. And I say that because a lot of the products we've seen, you know, they get to a great point of the sizzle. You know, they, you know, they say sell the sizzle, don't sell the steak, but then there's really no steak behind there. And so when you read our white paper, you see the stake completely. We talk about the acquisition of royalties. We talk about the marketplace and the exchange. We talk about the multiple different tokens. And we also have a real laid out roadmap for our metaverse. And we have the land exactly already designed. We already know exactly how we're going to target each one of the main 33 most popular genres around the world. We have a, a main stage and a main stadium, which we show and how people can play to earn by coming in and either selling their box office seats or leasing out their box office seats and creating storefronts at concert venues that we're going to have in the metaverse that are analogs to physical venues that we're going to do. We actually did an acquisition where we own 50% of the number one a rap battle platform called GTX. They combined have over a billion views on YouTube, and we are now 50% owners on their next iteration, in which we just recently had a rap battle with uh, Asesino and Disaster that uh, we partnered with Red Bull to broadcast with over 1.5 million views and had a physical venue in downtown LA where we performed. And we have another physical venue that's about to happen in August. And we have Crooked Eye coming at our third event, which is going to be his big debut as a rap battler. So we're combining constantly this metaverse. I, don't, I believe the, the, the fall down point is people think that the metaverse is only going to be online. But by combining real world events with digital events and then giving people an opportunity who maybe can't get into a 500 seat venue, but still want to see the event, those 1.5 million people who watched the, the rap battle on, on uh, Red Bull's La Battaglia, 
they can now watch in real time in our metaverse while there's the venue can only hold 500 people. So it's that constant intermingling of both physical and digital that our metaverse is playing to be involved with and really taking that whole idea to the next level that Live Nation did a successful job of. They went around the country all throughout the 90s and bought up venues that nobody cared about and then created their own record label, creating 360 deals for people. Well, our intent is to do the same, but utilizing the metaverse and creating physical events. So our roadmap says that our metaverse, at least the first iteration, should be done by December, January of this year. And in the meantime, we're doing nothing but creating and doing live events and live venues and building up our actual real people to function in both locations. And this is addressing one of those points to do with the metaverse and the and the NFT technology, because when it boils down to it, like, let's just do a little quick uh, review of what an NFT is, what it can be. Well, an NFT can actually kind of be anything, but one of the clearest things it can be is a membership token. It's basically like getting into a club. So that's why we also created the Music Mogul Club. That's what this foundation set of those uh, original 3,000 NFTs are. They get you into the club to be a music mogul. So that means you're going to be in there in the music business, earning on all the, the, the collections of royalties. But we're also doing that as a way to teach the artists how to create your own club. Because when you launch as an artist your own NFT, what, what is that NFT? Well, it's really like a membership into whatever you want it to be, which could be VIP tickets, backstage pass, you know, uh, front row seats, maybe even, in, yeah, or all, all, all these things, even into the metaverse. So that the NFT becomes an access point both into the metaverse for that artist because we're having our concert hall that's getting built out, the big virtual stadium, but also it can be that into the real world. This is where the NFT crosses over into the real world where you've got this backstage pass, this VIP ticket, this front row, this merch, whatever the artist wants it to be. So much good stuff here. We love the project at all. It's, we're really excited for it. And I, I guess what I want to know is how other people can connect with you, what's coming down the pipeline for you guys, and what's the best way for them to engage with you? Yeah. So coming down the pipeline real quick, we have ads about to come out on Cointelegraph promoting uh, our initiative. So we've got over 2 million impressions about to hit Cointelegraph, a bunch of sponsored articles, the like. Uh, we've got next week is going to be the NFT Expoverse in Los Angeles with about fifteen to 20,000 people. We've got a 400 square foot booth that we're going to start having people come through. And we just signed a deal with Vets.co, which is a big company in the music royalty space. It's got a quarter million people who have downloaded their app to buy fractional ownership, and they're bringing all of that onto our platform. And we own 10% of that company now. So we've laid out some really good foundational pieces for our next wave, our exchange, the growth of our metaverse. And we're going to have a great webinar in the next two weeks that we want anybody who's on Allstock.co to come and be a part of. Just come to the website. Barmy, you can tell them where to, where to sign up, but be a part of our webinar and you can kind of get a one-on-one and get more in depth from us to really learn exactly what we're doing. And at that time, we'll tell you how to get started and how to participate right then and there. Awesome. We'll definitely uh, include that link for the webinar. What date is that? It's the beginning of August. So it most likely will be either second, third or fourth. Awesome. So we'll, we'll definitely, you know, we'll, we'll uh, include in that. And I think that you know, as many questions as I have a list of more questions for you guys, but for anybody that has 
any unanswered question or they want to learn more details about the project, I'm sure that that's a great avenue uh, for going about that. Oh, that's the best place. Yeah, the best place, Horatio. And if you want, we, we, we're we happy to have you be in the webinar as well. And you can guest host with us and kind of be the, the, the man on the street for everybody. That'd be great. We'll get in touch. So great to talk to you guys. Yeah, the same. Thanks for having us on the podcast. My pleasure. Uh, always great to hear uh, innovators, people doing new things. It's always a, a great thing. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Enjoy the day. Thanks for having us today, Horatio. Bye. Bye now. Noble and Barnaby make an absolutely compelling case for why they are disrupting the music industry and how band royalty is set up to lead a new generation of musicians and their fans into a brave new world of Web3 music consumption and revenue streams. I hope you check them out on their upcoming webinar with any questions you might have. I want to give a big thanks to Noble and Barnaby for coming on the podcast. And as always, a big thanks to you for spending part of your day with us. Until next time, take care.